Hello and welcome to YHTV's Flowing into Awareness with visionary and master intuitive Anatara. This is episode 23. Hi, I'm Christina Suzuma, your host of this program. And uh, so we will be speaking with our beautiful Anatara. Welcome, Anatara. <laughs> Hello, Christina. <laughs> so, episode 23 Perceiving Blocks. Reveal that which holds you back. Oh my gosh, I'd have a castle around me. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all have castles and some walls are thicker than others. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. And, and really, the whole point of this uh, expose is to sort of get our heads around what makes some things seem really impenetrable. And what makes some things, you know, what, what, why some problems or, or attitudes that we have dissolve easily. So, you know, I was thinking about, about the blocks that, that we all have to uh, believing in ourselves, let's say, if we start with something that simple. Um, and it may be because we were repeatedly told when we were young that we, that we were stupid or that we weren't good enough or, mm. or, or, or just once upon a time someone said, oh, you idiot. And we took it personally and we internalized it. And it became a theme about ourselves. And a block can be, the way I'm referring it to it right now, can be as simple as something like that. One concept, one idea, one moment that, that affected us so deeply that it started to, to shade and color everything that we did from that point on and, and became like a cascade of, of um, you know, detrimental thought mm. that we then directed at ourselves. So, it, you know, it doesn't take much for something to take seed in our minds. It doesn't take much at all. And then what the mind can do with it is, is to find constant reinforcement. And when there's reinforcement about a specific idea, especially a negative idea about ourselves, it's very hard to chink away at, at, the, at the plate, you know, the armor plate that's, that's holding it against mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we've all been up against things like that. And, and I was been working with a couple of clients in the past few weeks that, that I've known for a while and we've been talking together for a while and we've, we've come across some of the big the bigger episodes in their lives that have created um, this resonance of of not being able to work their way through it. Um, But but what I'm finding now is that it's often uh, the tiny things that have been that have been masked or mirror or, or you know, pushed aside by the bigger ones um, that actually have the most effect on us mm. and and ha- have the most insidious. Uh, aspects to them that we don't often see because they seem so unimportant that we don't look at them. And, and it's those, those tiny bits of, of uh, information that we believe about ourselves that have the greatest power because they, they sort of form a collective around our personality. And it, in many ways, they form a collective around our hearts and our souls. And in, that, in the collective is that constant reinforcement of the of the idea that we aren't good enough or that we can't can't make it through to whatever it is we feel we really want mm-hmm. it, it it's 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 the it's the inner saboteur it's the it's the 
internalizing of something that was very external to us that then becomes a direct dictate from within. So lots and lots of words (laughs) 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 to to describe those places that we find ourselves, um, you know, mired in. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so what I've been doing for many years and, and what I've really been focusing on lately is to, is to identify and find the blocks, you know, perceiving one's own blocks, perceiving where they're lingering, perceiving the place that they're sitting in, um, perceiving um, how, they, how they interact with us. Because a block is not something inanimate. Uh, we, we, we say block, it sounds like something solid that just you know, hangs on there or sits somewhere. Mm. A, block, a block is not that. There's far too much um, interaction between the, the, you know, within the thoughts that we have about whatever it is we're trying to protect and not bring to light or whatever it is that we feel is trying to come up and get us. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm describing a very active scenario. So even though we think that we are being successful at putting aside or, or controlling or hiding a block, we're really not because there is always a, a signature of that block somewhere within us. Uh, it's, often a, it's often a physical thing. We have a, a pain in our back that oh, it never seems to go away. Or in times of stress or hardship, it, it, it comes back and it, and it really gets us. Or we find ourselves fatigued and tired and, and then we start to, to, to feel that, you know, there's, a, oh, there's, there's something in our hearts that's lingering that, that just won't let us pick up that won't let us find a way to to have energetic and ener- energy and to be vibrant. So the blocks are things that are sapping our energy because we put so much unseen in general energy into holding them back and holding them down. Mm-hmm. And and I would say that that as I mentioned before we, we usually have a couple of big things that we really recognize about ourselves. Uh, my father was mean to me, therefore, whenever there's a male authority figure around me who speaks to me in a certain way, I, I step back and I cower. That would be one of one of the things that I would call a big one, mm-hmm. and we've worked, we've looked at those big ones. We've we've addressed most of them by this certain stages of our lives, but it's it's that collective of the small ones that have such a strong voice. And, and each one of those small little things that we identify with that, that, that tells us something about ourselves um, being inadequate, being not good enough, being not strong enough, um, being not pretty enough, whatever it is, each one of those things is, is asking us to pay attention to it um, in, in a greater way than just trying to ignore it. So, uh, so really, every time we think that we, you know, we have a feeling we try to shake it off or we have an idea and we think, oh, that's not important. I'm suggesting that we need to look at those things and that we need to feel and know where we are feeling and knowing it from. So we can, we can close our eyes and we can take a deep breath and we can say, hmm, what is that funny sensation in my, you know, my right chest? Or, or what is that weird feeling I have in my left knee? And, and what about that ache or that hollowness that I feel in my chest? And start to see whether there is something that comes through. 
about it for you. There's always a message there, and you may or may not be ready to hear what that message is. But if you feel safe enough, and if you believe that there's nothing being stored within yourself that is of true of a true danger to you, you can actually start to feel and know and see where these blocks are being held and start to have a dialogue with them. And if you look at it from the perspective of being able to have a dialogue with it, then it is not in control of what's going on. You yourself can regulate how you speak to it, how you ask questions of what that block is, how you ask the feeling strong parts of yourself, what it can tell you about that that weaker or scared or hidden or, or, you know, part of you that hasn't completely shown itself. You know, really what I'm saying is that there's, there's nothing that we need to hide from and there's nothing that feels hidden within us that can actually do us any harm. And, and that as we reveal these things to ourselves, we see that they aren't dangerous and, and that there really isn't any hidden agenda. The hidden agenda has been that we were fearful, and through being fearful, we were keeping ourselves small. So why not be bigger? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, why not be who you really are? Mm. And, and, and take the time to, to just, just look around to see if some of those things are there. Um, remembering that something as simple as just a little pain or a little annoyance, especially something that's recurring for you, it could be one of these blocks and probably has a message for you. It doesn't mean that you are genetically predisposed to a horrible disease wherever that feeling is. And it, and it doesn't mean that, that necessarily that you're, in quotes, bad digestion is because you really have bad digestion. Maybe there's just something there that wants to talk to you. Mm. And perhaps by listening to it and having a dialogue with it, you can shift what's li- literally shift what's going on with you physically. Mm. Mm, wonderful. Um, and I, I completely concur with you, Anatara. I can remember that the, the one piece that I found difficult in my life was knowing that these existed. Because for so many years, one may not know they exist. We may not even know that it is just this sitting in a corner somewhere. And the, I'm not telling everyone to go do this, but I know <laughs> that that for me, the, the biggest stride was when I took my first acting class. Mm-hmm. And in this very specific uh, school of acting, they had, before you could actually start doing what they call scenes, you had to do a various number of exercises. Like I think it was like five exercises before you were allowed to start taking on a partner doing scenes. And one of the exercises were very powerful. You you um, had to stand in front of your class of 50 and stand with your feet hip distance apart and sing a cappella. No accompaniment, nothing. <laughs> that Ooh, would terrify heart, me. Her hand just went over her heart. <laughs> so, so, talk about stage fright. <laughs> And it was very interesting because I could remember standing on that stage, not just about stage fright, but I was very shy and not an outwardly person that, you know, very strange. Now I'm sitting here (laughs) doing this show and many other shows. Uh, But 
I sang. And as I got to maybe the second line in the song, I could feel my body. I mean, I, I started to cry. And I sang with this quivering voice. And you only did it for a short time, like one or like to the chorus or whatever. And then the, the instructor would say, okay, run around, jump around. Now sing the song again, sing it while you're jumping around and everything. So you're shaking off all this energy. And then he, the, my instructor would sit me in the front of the stage and ask me questions. And, and that's how you work through processes of feelings and emotions and everything, which you have to tap into as an actor. And the first thing he said to me was, who said you couldn't sing? <laughs> and I, my jaw just fell open and went, what? <laughs> he said, who told you in your life that you couldn't sing? And it made me go all the way back in my past to go, and he says, clear you, you love to sing. And I looked at him and said, oh my God. I had, I've forgotten that. Yes, I do love to sing. And he would look at the class and said, she just sang a cappella. How did she sound? <laughs> you know, and everyone's like, what? You know, like you won't sing because someone told you you couldn't sing. And it was so, so long ago from childhood, from maybe three or four years old. I could remember someone saying, oh, stop singing. You're just sounding like a broken record. That was it. You know, and how interesting. And so it's like, how would I have even realized that without having to be forced to do this exercise and someone exactly. pulling it out of nowhere, uh, you know, so, so, and from that, the unraveling of the layers upon layers upon, upon layers, the bricks that you're talking about. Exactly. That. You had no idea. It's like, well, if I sound awful doing that, I must sound awful doing this. And I must, you know, just as a child, our imagination is unbelievable and how your, it creates. Yeah. Your description is, is fantastic. You know, this, that is the best example of how these things build and how we take them on and internalize them brick by brick by brick. And then, then our own thoughts about ourselves become so colored by and filtered through the way the bricks are stacking up upon one, you know, one another. And mm. then we're caught. It, it, this this example of singing is so fascinating because I love to sing, but I love to sing to myself. <laughs> <laughs> and and I did a lot of performance singing as a child. I was in a lot of musicals, and I loved it then, and I had no qualms about it. So I think I should go back and look at this myself. You know, why? <laughs> <laughs> why I don't like to sing publicly anymore, but will still sing to myself, uh, because I, obviously there's something in there uh, that I took on or that I created for myself. Um, but I, I'm going to share something about this. When I was in grade six, the, the graduating class in my elementary school um, always got the lead roles in whatever, um, uh, I guess it was... Um, Rogers and Hammerstein, a musical was oh, being performed that year at the school. So we were the senior class. We, we, were, we got the lead roles. And the year that I was in, in grade six, I was 12, we did the Pirates of Penzance. Mm. And they gave me the role of Mabel, which is the lead high soprano 
um, you know, the singing female role. And I sang it, and I remember st- standing up on the stage and feeling quite comfortable with it and being able to hit all the notes. So the Pirates of Penzance, I found it when I was moving through the cable system a few weeks ago, and I recorded it <laughs> because I thought, I need to hear that song again. I need to find that part of me that felt really comfortable with that. Right. And and it was Linda Ronstadt playing playing the role of Mabel. Yeah. So she, I, I recorded it, and later I went back to, to listen to it. And as soon as she started to sing, I started to sing. And, and I knew all of the words, although I haven't even listened to it since I was 12. I knew the words. Wow. My, my range was still there, even though I never sing into those kind of soprano places anymore. And I thought, that came from inside me. That came from a part of myself, my heart, my soul, my being that remembers what it's like to be completely free mm-hmm. and remembers what it's like to be completely at ease with whatever comes out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it, was a, it was a wonderful experience, a wonderful, wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't always get anything that... that exemplary or that graphic um, to, to show us, show us yes. these parts of ourselves that we've forgotten. And I actually haven't tried to sing in public since then. <laughs> but, but when you mentioned it, my hand did go to my heart because I thought, oh, I think I'm still a little bit timid about yeah. it. <laughs> well, we're just going to have to collaborate on a whole nother level now. <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. <laughs> But I mean, this is such a great uh, subject and topic that you've brought up today because we really do. And I think all through life, there's all these little steps and and not just from childhood, but even adulthood when people do say certain things. Um, And it really does affect us. Um, and, And I hear it. I hear it when people are speaking, there's they're having a conversation with my child or making a comment to my child that I know that I step in. And I adjust the comment because I can see the, the, the holding of the breath of the child kind of going, what, you know, and you're kind of going, mm, they just took it in a wrong way, or it was said a little abruptly for that young mind. And it was just taken and perceived in the way I took, you mm-hmm. stop singing, you know, the same way I took that was like, yeah. Oh my God, you sound like a broken record. You know, it's like, it's like, it could have been a joke, but as a child, you don't quite take it like that. And, and I hear it over and over again on a daily basis, you know, working in the and, schools. And, and, and you will, as you pay attention to it, hear it in the way we address each other as adults. Uh, uh-huh. and, and you can see how a friend responds to something that you say or how two people in a room respond to what each other is saying in exactly the way you've just described it with, with your son. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's remarkable. And, and it's possible even as adults to rephrase things for one another and to, to use our language. And I always sort of touched on this before, to use our language in, in gentler, kinder, kinder, more open ways mm-hmm. without, without resolute absolutes. Mm-hmm, um, with mm-hmm. with openings in them, with an openness to them. Mm, mm. Wow, that's a whole nother topic. You know that. <laughs> yeah. We'll come back to that one soon. <laughs> oh yes, communicate. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> My goodness. Well, thank you so much, Anatara. I think this is this is uh, hopefully um, the removal of a card for many of their you know their their house of cards. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it is removing one of those cards lower down. 
<laughs> thank you so much. And of course, we'd like to thank Segovia Smith and the Yoga Hub team for making this possible. We'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us in this new platform of education and information. And we're grateful for your continuous support and look forward to hearing your feedback on how we can serve you better. We invite you to join us live on Tuesdays for Magical Medical Tour at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, Wednesdays for Trinity of Life at 11 p.m. at 11 a.m. East, uh, Pacific, <laughs> 2 p.m. Eastern, followed every other week with Flowing into Awareness with Anatara. You can also connect with Anatara by following her on Twitter, at Anatara, and of course, through her own website anatara.ca and of course we uh, we would love to hear your comments and feedback please give us a call at 818 let's talk 818 let's talk until next time namaste YHTV's Trinity of Life Come join me, Christina Suzama, as I journey to find the many modalities that support individuals, from children to adults to elders, with topics ranging from health and wellness, meditation, and inspirational stories. I invite you to visit yogahub.tv every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern.